you know, growing up, my mom and parents were always like, that's like brujeria. Don't fuck with that. Like anything that is scary or that is witchcraft is like the devil. And so to kind of like have a really daily practice and the way it enriches my life is something that is very full circle to me. Hello, and welcome to Your Magic. I'm your host, Michelle T, and today I am hanging out with queer culture maker Fran Tirado, co-host of the infamous Food for Thought podcast and the brand new Like a Virgin audio show. We talk about meaningless hookups, tourist dreams, and intuition. And if you'd like to boost your own sixth sense, stick around for writer and musician Katie Bennett's simple and inspired spell for connecting with your truth and power. Stay with us. If you love listening to Your Magic, now you can join us for more witchy content by supporting our work on Patreon. As a thank you, you'll get a weekly newsletter for $1 a month, a monthly New Moon Tarot Astrology podcast for $5. For $30 a month, you get my witch workshops where we'll dive into tarot, witchcraft, and more. And if you want a little sneak peek, here's a preview of this month's reading for the New Moon and Sagittarius. Sagittarius, it is your new moon cycle. The moon is new in your sign on December 4th, and I have picked a bunch of cards for you from the Vessel Oracle deck. I love this deck. It's so, um, I don't know, it's just encouraging, and it's and it's very pink. I love those things. So, um, you know, I picked a few cards. The first is to see what is the energy for the Sag new moon on December 4th for you, and you got change, okay? change is upon us, Sag. It's definitely upon you. This is a card that wants you to embrace change. Embracing change because of the way it changes you, right? Changes in our lives, changes we make. Change begets change. We are changed by, oh my God, I feel like I'm becoming a slam poet. We are changed through change. But seriously, okay, um, it's bringing you closer to your truth is what the card itself says in the in the words of Mary Elizabeth Evans, who created this deck. So um, what do you want to change? What is true about you that maybe needs to become more expressed on this new moon? The making of this podcast is a labor of love, and we need your help to keep making it. Join our community at patreon.com backslash this is your magic. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode has me thinking a lot about intuition, how constant and crucial it is, and how easily we can overlook the damage done to it. I think the first problem is a lot of people don't even realize they have intuition. They believe it's the property of fortune tellers and psychics only but they have only monetized their intuition. Everyone possesses that sixth sense, has felt a strange hunch, has doggedly known something was true in spite of forces trying to convince us otherwise. If I may, I think our intuition's first job, primary impulse, is to remind us that we are precious, that we're loved and lovable, worthy of joy and protection. Our intuition is, in a big way, how we know and love and look out for ourselves. When that energy gets tangled by dysfunctional or abusive families, by racist, homophobic, and misogynistic cultures, by educational and other systems that teach us to deny who we are and what we know, our intuition takes a big hit. I lived a lot of my life with a stepfather who was very ill-intentioned towards me and my sister. 
My intuition was constantly trying to alert me with red flags of panic, with truths that triggered fear and anxiety. I think a lot of highly intuitive people suffer from anxiety brought on by the effort of trying to shut up your psychic warning system because though it may be alerting you to a danger, sometimes listening to our intuition in a world that denies its existence feels even more unsafe. That was my story. After I confronted my stepfather, my world fell apart for a while. An ongoing part of my healing has been rehabbing my intuition, doing the often mind-boggling work of differentiating my inner warning signals from legitimate anxiety. I know a lot of you listening are feeling me right now. This is a common problem, even if your intuition didn't experience a formative trauma. The world tends not to validate or respect this way of knowing. It's up to us to support each other's efforts to heal our inner voices as we continue to gather the strength to, quite simply, believe in ourselves. Here's Fran Tarado. Fran Tarado, who I adore, thank you so much for being on the Your Magic podcast. Please, it's an honor, a pleasure, a delight. I'm so happy to be here, Michelle. And thank you for wearing your moon shirt. Those those who are listening, of course, you don't have a visual, but I get to see Fran while we, ch- while we chat, and they're wearing this shirt that has like little crescent moons all over it. Literally wore it for you uh, and this podcast, so. Honored. What is your moon sign now? I know you're a Taurus. Mm-hmm, I'm a Taurus. I can see your like plants in the background. I always think of like Tauruses as like home people. I live with a Taurus. My partner's a Taurus. And like he, he literally spent the entire day yesterday rearranging the fridge in this incredible way where he put like baking trays and he used them to like arrange and organize like condiments and like leftovers. And like we have a whole new fridge landscape now because of his Taurus magic. Okay, like just the description of that is erotica to me. I have a Virgo moon. And so like my Taurus that likes to build a home in hearth, likes to organize things and keep things structured. And do you have a Virgo moon as well? I don't have a Virgo moon. But interestingly, my Venus is in the sixth house of Virgo. It's in the sign of Capricorn in the sixth house. It's like the only earth in my well, my Saturn's in Taurus. So I, my Venus and my and my Saturn is the only Earth that I have, but it's life saving. It really is. I have a friend group here in LA that is a, a lot of different signs, but we're all Virgo moons. We're like a cult of Virgo moons. I don't know how we found each other, but it's it's really we really like to get things done. Fascinating. I love the way that life can like bring us brings us to like the signs that we need to be around, either to like inspire us or balance us or whatever. I've always had I've had a lot of Tauruses in my life, and I used to have a lot of Libras in my life. I've had I've gone through periods where I had Aries in my life. I guess I needed that. Yeah, I really need Libras. I need Libras. I need Gemini's because my Venus is in Gemini. My oh wait, yeah, my Venus is in Gemini, so it's like my love language. I'm like always like wanting to talk, um, and that's. It's like how I kind of, it's my number one, you know, I guess, love language. I love Geminis too. They get such a bad rap, but they're, they're a fantastic sign there. I feel like they're kind of, they're magic. I mean, we're all magic, right? But I feel like the Gemini magic, I guess, because it's so electrical, I can really feel it from them. Let's talk about woo stuff. Are you, do you consider yourself like a witch or I don't know, a priestess or what? What's your spiritual jam these days? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like maybe imposter syndrome to say like, I don't know if I identify as a witch because like, you know, it's it's more like, I still feel like I'm learning. I'm very much so a student of life, a seeker. I'm always looking for things to like make sense of this crazy world we live in. And a lot of those, I would say the majority of those things are tarot and astrology and witchcraft and the things that, I don't know, are just like fun to play and help me 
gain that sense of like magic and manifestation that I really lacked in my childhood. I, I grew up really, really sheltered. Actually, what I should say is like, I had to read the first four Harry Potter books in secret because like they were forbidden from my household. Couldn't watch like Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. I had never seen, what's the Bette Midler witch movie? Is it Hocus Pocus? Hocus Pocus. Yeah. I hadn't seen Hocus Pocus until like a few years ago because it was like forbidden from our house. And so, you know, growing up, my mom and parents were always like, that's like brujeria, you know, like you, you don't fuck with that. Like anything that is scary or that is witchcraft is like the devil. And so to kind of like have a really daily practice and I guess like the way it enriches my life is something that is very full circle to me. I just feel like some people are really touched by magic and it doesn't, you know, like whether or not like magic chooses them, whether or not they they seek it out. And you seem like one of those people to me. You have that. I mean, I was like a Jesus freak for like 17 years, like wow. Jesus camp seven years in a row. I went to church two to three times a week. I wanted to be a youth pastor when, when I grew up, went on missions trips to like Guatemala and Japan to like teach teens about like Jesus. Like I, I really like could not have been more the opposite of like what I do now, which is like everything I do is just really invested in sin. <laughs> like, the, you know, the, the devil's name is on all of my paychecks, mama, you know, just written, sign, seal, deliver. And so I think that when I left my faith really quickly as a teen, like right at the same time that I came out of the closet, I had this kind of like, I think a lot of people who used to be Jesus freaks, like have this kind of God shaped whole in your in your being you have this huge psychological and spiritual space that is no longer occupied by like the bible and yeah i just i think that like as i grew into understanding spirituality as something that is not always attached to organized religion that is when i i really started to fall in love with the teachings of honestly people like you michelle oh. and people like my friend chani um, Jessica Dore, mm -hmm. um, Sarah Faith Goddessinger, like a lot of those folks who really do a lot to pop a lot of queer witches that popularize this work and and help make it feel accessible and even a little less woo woo because I feel like it gets a bad rap of being this tool of fortune telling and divination and you know like spells and like it is those things sometimes but also it's just it can be as simple as like making your breakfast in the morning and I, I think that's really helpful for me to kind of I guess feel grounded and and to know where I'm going. I think the really fun thing about being engaged in these kind of practices these witchy practices is at some point you realize that sort of reverence or mindfulness that you bring to maybe doing a little ritual or some a little craft in front of your altar, you can actually like that is mobile. You can bring that to any aspect of your life, you know, and I feel like it's a kind of mindfulness, I guess, but you can bring those intentions to like taking a shower, <laughs> you know, washing your hair, like the most mundane things. And I really like how it makes, I don't know, it just centers us in our in our kind of boring sometimes lives and forces us to see that everything has the potential for magic. It's like all around us all the time. It's like not everything needs to be super rational. Like you can just do something because it feels good or it's fun. I just like to think that we're all living in a computer simulation anyway and nothing <laughs> is that important. So if it's like enjoyable to like, you know, play with herbs and candles in front of my altar, then... I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I think that's part of what has helped me like lean into my intuition and like mm. the things that that like make me the happiest or, or like the things that I previously believed to be impossible. Like I think a lot about my friend Tourmaline who kind of has this 
Um, she has this tenet she always talks about where she says, like, you know, suspend the disbelief for 30 days, even if just for 30 days, that like your dreams are not possible. If for 30 days you could actually believe in the things that you put aside, how would you live your life differently? And I, I think that if there are a lot of people that really would live their lives differently if they if they did that. As corny as it sounds sometimes, like it sounds very like divorcee self-help book, but like <laughs> it, it really, it really is like um sometimes that easy. Um, I think that there is a kind of rigidity um and a very like black and white kind of thinking that we've all evolved to adapt to and we all think that things are good or they're bad or yeah. they they work or they don't work or this is my belief and that's your belief and like structural oppression and like the happiness of our daily lives would be so much more resolved if we had a fluidity in the way we kind of like think about what's possible, what's not possible, what we believe, what we don't believe in. Magic and the, and astrology and all those things have really helped me, I don't know, murk the lines of like what I previously thought was real or not real. I'm really curious about what's up with your, your tarot journey. What's going on? What deck are you working with? I'm still working with the Rider Waite, actually. Cool. I, I think the symbology of the Rider Waite is amazing. And I mean, when did Modern Tarot come out? I feel like I've only been practicing since then or a little bit before. I, you know, was pulling a card a day. I dove deep into like the cards and tried to make notes. I, I have this, um, Jessica Dore has this really good advice about how if you have a notebook and you dedicate one page to each card in the tarot, you can accrue, you know, little notes and learnings as you go along in your life and like mark under each card, like what you're learning. And so I've been doing that and trying to like, kind of keep my practice or like my, my storytelling, what I do with each card. But yeah, for me, like whenever I read someone's tarot, um, which I would like to do more often, honestly, um, because I'm getting good at it. I'm not going to lie. Ooh, <laughs> oh, I love that. I always say to them, you know, I say, you know, I, I don't, I don't use tarot as a as a mode of divination and fortune telling. But if you see it that way, that's okay. I think that the most helpful way to like understand tarot as is as a practice in storytelling and honestly supplementary to like therapy and to to the 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 kind of self work that we do every day and to manifesting. To be honest, because like the tarot can tell you, you know, you're going to win life and you're going to succeed, but it's not going to happen if you don't do anything about it. Right. Totally. And so I think I I kind of that's a really helpful tool for me. I think the cards kind of usually tend to unravel a lot of things that I, you know, wouldn't have thought about before because our minds are so, as I said, like linear and black and white. And so I think the cards help introduce facets of your life that you otherwise would not have been thinking about. I think so, too. One thing that I'm always surprised about with the tarot is that it's not I mean, I, I, we're using our intuition to work with it. But so, right. so, so much of what it says sometimes feels counterintuitive. You know, like I find myself because I do give a lot of tarot readings to like other people where it will be like, yeah, this path actually looks really hard for you, but you're supposed to be on it. Like that is sometimes the takeaway. And I feel like, you know, we sometimes if you're, we're not thinking about it, we just look to the tarot to tell us everything's going to be okay. Or like, am I going to get good cards? Like, did I win? You know, and, and it's like, you know, this is like your spiritual journey, really what we're talking about here. And sometimes you get a lot of gifts from a harder path. It's really funny. Like I I find myself often enough being like, yeah, the tarot is saying you should do this thing. I am saying you shouldn't. Like, this looks crazy, mm. but the tarot is saying you should do it. That's amazing. I, I feel like 
that is like when tarot is at its best, when it's like counterintuitive, you know, yeah. it's like kind of contradicting like the ways that you were originally thinking about it. Do you have a question for the tarot, Fran? Because I would love to pick cards for you. Okay. Well, I was either going to ask about love uh, because I, I really, well, it has to be a yes or no question, doesn't it? Sometimes, I mean, yes or no questions are great, but then it can also sometimes be like, what's the energy? What's the vibe? You know, what does it look like? I have been in like a relationship dry spell for a, a very long time, if, I, if I'm being honest. And I am only at recently started proactively dating again and mm-hmm. trying to like meet people. And because like previously I was just so addicted to my work that I didn't care about relationships, which was not healthy. Um, but yeah, so as I'm re-entering it, it's just really hard. And I, I feel like it's never going to happen for me. You know, I just like, you know, give up all hope on love is like where I'm like where I'm at. Oh my God. You seem like the most eligible bachelor X in the United States, if not the globe. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, listen, I'm smart. I'm funny. I'm gamefully unemployed. Uh, I, uh, I, uh, I, I feel like I have a lot going for me. Okay. Um, hell yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Wow. Well, you know, I think that maybe the universe just wants you to like be of service to everybody else who's out there struggling with romance, which is like so many millions of people. And they can just look and say, Fran Torado is struggling with romance. Like it, this shit is not personal. Yeah. And if all else feels, I mean, if any queer babies listening to this podcast want to mosey on over to my Instagram and then slide into my DMs, please, by all means, I'll, I'll see you there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I would love for like your magic to be a bit of a love spell casting for you. Okay, so what I'm going to do then is I'm going to I'm pulling cards. I'm going to be like, what's the energy here? What is the energy around this romantic dry spell? You know, what what are some takeaways that you can look at? Okay, I'm just going to do one more little shuffle. Damn, Fran. Oh, no, 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 no. It's it's so good. It's so good. Your cards, <laughs> your cards are so good that I have to say that either like this dry spell is incredibly like if it doesn't feel very meaningful to you right now, it, you may in fact look back and be like, that was actually really meaningful. There's a greater purpose going on. And I also want to say it's so not forever. Your centerpiece card here is the universe. Okay. Oh. So like, oh, love the universe card. When it pops up, it's like you are exactly where you are supposed to be. You know, like why? Why the dry spell? Not quite sure. But meant to be certainly not forever because I just don't believe in that. That's not my belief of the universe or the universe card. The pleasure card. Six of cups. Sun, sun and Scorpio. I don't know if you've at least been getting some on the side during the dry spell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. Okay. Definitely a lot of like meaningless hookups and sex with people who I otherwise want to spend no time with, but pleasurable for sure. Well, that's interesting. I wonder what the takeaways of that are. You know, maybe it's something about learning the limits of that or... Me and my therapist are working on it, I promise. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Good to know. I mean, like it will have a meaning so personal to you, but pleasure. And then this is really interesting too. The wealth card, the 10 of discs. So, you know, one thing this made me think of when it popped up was you saying how like you were formerly married to your work and making space for that. And it's like, you know, the discs do, you know, they rule work. But I also see this wealth card is about like, because it's such a gorgeous card and it's a 10 and I see it. So it's like the end of the path of the disc. It's, you know, it's the end of the discs of a disc cycle and all is as it should be. It's a good, it's a good ending. And it's like, if you can see your trajectory in like a larger 
way where it's like you, you know, you were so married to your work and, you know, but maybe like you had to sort of do that in order. I mean, when you are like a freelance person in the world and a creative person and an artist, you often have to at least have a period of time where you're obsessive about it because that launches you, you know, so like you did that and then you hit the point where you're like, oh, okay, I don't need to do this anymore or this isn't healthy. I want to integrate other things. And I feel like you're at the end. You really are at the end of that with this wealth card. You know, I feel like one thing I also learned from doing tarot is like we're always beginning and ending chapters, you know, so it's like this chapter of wealth building and resource building has come to a close and now you're about to start over again. And this next chapter will probably everything that you learned about like work and balance and integration and resource building, you're going to bring to your next cycle of work. And how is that going to be different? But also like enjoy the spoils, you know, and spoil yourself, spoil yourself. I think it's saying a Taurus dream, (laughs) right? Yes. I mean, like a Taurus might not need permission for that, but you're getting it. This looks so optimistic and positive. It looks like if there's a way for you to enjoy where you're at, I know like as someone who's so myself, I'm so relationship oriented. And I always, even though at the end of of any relationship, I'm always like, that's never going to happen again for me. It's over. Life has shown me that's not true. And at some point I began to really love my moments alone because I'm like, this isn't going to be forever. And there's a certain magic to being single and being alone and being with myself. And I want to just get the most out of it before my next partner comes into my life because it's going to be different, you know, and like I'll still have that connection to myself, but it will be different. So I feel like the universe is saying a little bit that of that to you right now that you're still in a magic spot, even though that partner's not here yet. That partner is inevitable. So like pleasure and wealth, enjoy your own pleasure and wealth while you can. Wow. I really needed to hear that, Michelle. Oh, good. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Before I let you go, Fran, will you tell us about your new podcast? Because I love, I loved Food for Thought. I was a huge food for, am a huge Food for Thought podcast fan. What's your new one? Yes. So I have a new podcast called Like a Virgin with my friend Rose Domu. Um, it is a pop culture podcast. We're in, you know, one half of the podcast, we're talking about the week's pop culture news. Usually it's a lot of queer shit. Usually it's a lot of kind of like nonsense. And then, the second half of the podcast, we dissect one cultural object per episode. So we'll deep dive into things like Harry Potter or got mall goth culture and Hot Topic or, you know, Rami and Michelle's High School Reunion, Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. And it's honestly just us being doofy, showcasing our friendship, keying together. So pop culture nerds or people that don't know anything about pop culture and want to get your uh, your digest would love, love, love this podcast. And you can find it anywhere podcasts are streaming. Yes. And it's called Like a Virgin. So perfect. Just like me, never been, never been <laughs> penetrated. Sorry, you can cut that. <laughs> I think we'll keep it. Hi, I'm Katie Bennett, and I'm a writer and musician from West Philly. I want to share a simple and effective spell for tapping into your intuition. You'll need a candle, rose quartz, a piece of paper, and a pen. Set aside 10 minutes in a quiet space and light a candle. Take your rose quartz and hold it close to your chest to strengthen and protect your heart. Look into the candle's flame and ask yourself, what do I want? You can also ask, what do I long for? What do I wish for now? What do I crave or what do I desire? But I found a simple, what do I want? Works wonderfully. Ask yourself this until images appear in your eyes and ideas fill your head. Write down what comes to you. These are messages from your intuition. 
guiding you toward love and fulfillment. Spell is inspired by a chapter on intuition from Clarissa Pinkola Estes' glorious book, Women Who Run With the Wolves. Estes writes about how our intuition becomes dulled when we surround ourselves with people who try to repress our energy and power. After doing this spell, I was finally able to cut ties with an older male family member who constantly talked down to me and made me feel awful, but who I stayed in contact with out of a sense of obligation rather than my own desire. It was a really difficult decision, but I knew intuitively it was something I needed to do. And by saying no to him, I was saying yes to joy and love. Oh my goodness, Katie Bennett, I want to be your best friend. I relate so much to this, and I am also constantly looking at things through the lens of my one precious life. Try it, you guys. It's a great way to cut through the bullshit and really feel what's important. And try this spell, too. It's a simple and crucial exercise for strengthening a simple and crucial aspect of our well-being. Thanks for tuning into Your Magic. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at This Is Your Magic. You can subscribe to us right here on Spotify. Do what you need to do to never miss an episode. You can email us at hello at This Is Your Magic. We would love to hear from you. And you can support us, plus get access to a whole bunch of bonus content at patreon.com slash thisisyourmagic. This whole episode was produced and edited by Molly Elizalde, Tony Gannon, and Vera Blossom. We got production support from Raven Yamamoto. Our executive producers are Ben Cooley, myself, and Molly Elizalde. Our original theme music is by John Kimbrough. Thanks for listening.